one of the most intriguing passages of Scripture, I believe, is here in Acts 16. I love this passage and I love the narrative, this true event that took place in the life of Paul and Silas. And so, uh, begin reading, look with me in verse 16 of Acts chapter 16. And it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same, this same woman, this same young lady, followed Paul and us. Obviously, that's Silas and Luke. And this young lady cried out, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this, verse 18, this she did many days. In other words, she'd follow them around and publicly proclaim, uh, even drawing attention to Paul and Silas and Luke. And Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, to the demon, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And the demon came out the same hour. <laughs> That's a King James way of saying the demon immediately came out right then, instantaneously. And when her masters, that's those who controlled and manipulated this young lady, when those men saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas. They drew them into the marketplace under the rulers and they brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city, and they teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe being Romans. The multitude rose up together against them. The magistrates rent off their clothes or tore their clothing off of them and commanded to beat them. Now notice verse 23. And when they had laid many stripes upon them. They cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast with the stocks. Now notice verse 25. Very telling, very interesting. I love this verse. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed, and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. I want to talk to you tonight just for a moment on how to keep your song in the midnight hour. Every single one of us faces midnight hours. We face times of darkness, times of discouragement, times of frustration, times when, just to be honest, we feel like throwing in the towel. Sometimes we feel that way relationally. Sometimes we feel that way in, uh, physically. Sometimes even when it comes to church, when it comes to uh, 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 work, when it comes to so many areas of life, we just want to quit. We want to get discouraged and overwhelmed. And I love what is happening in the passage. Verses 16 through 18 tells us that Paul and Silas are instrumental in the spiritual liberation of this demon-possessed young woman. This young woman was trafficked by a group of men in Philippi. 
they were manipulating this young lady's demon-empowered ability to foretell or forecast the future. But in verse 19 through 21, the demon is driven away by the power of Jesus. And when that occurs, the masters, these men who manipulate this young lady, they realize that they have lost their profit margin <laughs> because this young woman no longer predicts the future. Therefore, these men being angered at Paul and Silas, they haul them before the magistrates and falsely accuse them of being lawbreakers and troublemakers. So verse 22 through 24, we find that the magistrates in the crowd, convinced of Paul and Silas's guilt, they scourged them, literally beat them. Uh, they, they, they cast them into prison, securing them in the stocks. In other words, uh, their feet were uh, um, anchored down and held into a, a wooden or iron uh, contraption that literally spread their limbs apart and made them bow, uh, bend over almost <laughs> like a twig ready to be broken. Uh, there in, in this uncomfortable, joint-rending position. And then verse 25. Now, I want you to get the scene here. Here they are. They're absolutely in an uncomfortable state. Beaten, blood running, bruised, sore discouraged, I'm sure they were. They, they did nothing wrong. Uh, all they did was witness for Jesus, preach the gospel, cast out the demons, and see this young woman liberated through Christ's power and Christ's blood. And they were falsely accused and maligned. And here they are, securely fastened to this hideous instrument. And the Bible says at midnight, in their midnight hour, dark in this prison, in this dungeon, instead of pouting and complaining, they began to praise the Lord and to pray and to talk to Jesus and to sing hymns and to sing psalms and to sing spiritual songs to the Lord about the Lord. Of course, we know the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey would say. The Lord sent a great earthquake, liberated them. That resulted in the salvation of the guard that was immediately charged with their, with their care. His whole house was saved, baptized, because of the testimony of these two men who decided in their midnight hour they were going to praise the Lord. They kept their song. How do you do that? Let me give you three thoughts as we come down the home stretch. Let's apply this passage. Thought number one. Singing in the midnight hour is not contingent on my circumstances. Singing in the midnight hour is not contingent on my circumstances. Look at these circumstances that Paul and Silas found themselves in. I notice spiritual strain, number one, spiritual strain. Some of you tonight are experiencing a spiritual attack, a spiritual strain in your personal life. 
These men were engaged in spiritual warfare. No doubt about it. Uh, they, they, in the midst of their ministry, uh, they, they, they were dealing with this attack by Satan. Uh, some of us and some of you watching and listening, you know what it is to be under satanic spiritual attack. I see relational strain. Obviously, they were falsely accused. They were beaten by these men. These men hated them. And no one I know enjoys that experience when you're hated. Really for nothing legitimate, just someone's perception of you. Some of you are dealing with that right now. There's spiritual strain, relational strain. Then I also see physical strain. Beaten, scourged, they're incarcerated. Their freedom has been taken away from them. They're held in stocks. Their limbs are, are uh, stretched out into joint-rending positions. And if we were to be in their shoes and look at their circumstances, we'd say, man, there's no reason in the world they need to be praising God. We all would understand if they were to just start complaining and say, man, I don't like this. This is wrong. Hey, we've been mistreated. We're not being treated fairly. This is not equitable. This is not just. I don't like these circumstances. I'm sure that's what I'd be saying. But you know, Paul and Silas didn't say that. They didn't even articulate that. I'm sure they battled those emotions and battle those feelings. Sooner or later, friend, you and I, all of us, will find ourselves in the midnight hour. Some of you precious ones, right now, that's where you find yourself. It is true that these midnight hours are dark, they're lonely, they're painful, they're confusing, they're uncertain. There are so many things in our life that can steal our song. I know that. I realize that and understand it. Psalm 34.1, though David said, I will bless the Lord at all times, even in our midnight hours. His praise, he said, shall continually be in my mouth. Regardless of my circumstances, I will praise the Lord at all times. Times, Philippians 4 4, the Apostle Paul said, Hey, rejoice in the Lord always or at all times. And again, I say, again, I emphasize rejoice. That's the third time in Philippians that Paul would say, Rejoice, rejoice in the Lord. It's interesting that that word rejoice is in the, a, a present active indicative. Uh, our present active imperative. In other words, it's a command by the Lord uh, and it is something that we are to be doing continuously. Even when our circumstances are not favorable. Even when we're discouraged. Even when we feel an oppression by our enemy coming upon us. Even when we feel like we're under personal attack or our our, our physical comfort uh, has been taken away, or, or some other type, our finances have changed, uh, maybe a job transition, whatever it is. God says that this song in the night is not contingent on your outward circumstances. 
Statement number two. Not only is singing in the midnight hour not contingent on my circumstances, singing in the midnight hour must be, friend, it must be a deliberate choice. It's not something that will happen naturally. It's not something that will be instinctive. It's something that we must choose to do. I choose to rejoice. I make that decision. I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. I'm going to praise God. I'm going to sing. I'm going to pray. I'm going to glorify Him even though I don't even feel like doing it. We very well may find it hardest to sing in the midnight hour. It's not easy. It's going to have to be a choice that you and I make as Christians, as Spirit-led, Spirit-filled believers. Singing in the midnight hour is not contingent on our circumstances. Singing in the midnight hour is a choice that we have to make. Just as Paul and Silas, they made that choice to pray and sing praises to God. And then I close with this. Singing in the midnight hour really is a matter of focus. It's a matter of focus. It's about what we choose to focus upon. I want you to know it's interesting. They prayed. That means that their focus was not horizontal. Their focus was vertical. They intentionally called out to God. Do you realize when you pray, you're intentionally putting your mind on the Lord? You're sending your thoughts, your mind, your heart heavenward. And then they sang praises to God. Not just about God, they sang praises to God. They directed their song to the Lord. That tells me they were focused on God. They were focused on Him. That they had made the choice, in spite of their circumstances, to focus on God's goodness, God's faithfulness, God's power. It's interesting to me that they realized that God's worthiness isn't diminished in the midnight hour. God didn't change. He didn't all of a sudden become less worthy of praise, less worthy of thanks and gratitude. <laughs> Notice that they focused their mind and attention off of their circumstances and onto the Lord. I guarantee you today, you've already had to make that choice. Every single day that we live, there are phone calls, text messages, emails, whatever it is, conversations that you have with people that can steal your joy. If we're not careful. We have to make this choice to put our focus on the Lord Jesus. They did two things. They prayed. Prayer deliberately gets our focus on God. It's one of the reasons prayer is so powerful so transformational. It automatically, when I'm engaged in genuine prayer, where I'm connecting with God and connecting with heaven, and as we say, I'm touching heaven and heaven is touching me, it gets my focus on Him. It gets my focus off of all this mess going on in my life and going on around me.
they prayed, but secondly, they sang praises to God. They did what we're commanded to do 17 times in the Old Testament. What we're commanded to do in Psalm 104 verse 33 where David said, I will sing unto the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. In other words, he said, as long as i got a brain and a mouth and a heart and a spirit and a voice and life in my body, I'm going to be singing praises to the Lord. I'm going to make the choice. I'm going to sing praise to Him as long as I have breath. (laughs) Psalm 147, verse 7, Sing unto the Lord with thanksgiving. Sing praise upon the harp. (laughs) In other words, use an instrument if you need to, if you want to. Sing praise to God. Singing God-focused lyrics saturates the mind and spirit with faith-building truth that can drive away discouragement, negativity, and temptation. That's why music and Christian, biblical, spiritual music is so very powerful. So here's the takeaway. First of all, friends, let's decide tonight. We're going to make prayer and praise a daily priority and a daily practice. Every day, I'm going to praise the Lord. I'm going to pray. I'm going to spend time with Him. I'm going to make worship, private worship, a reality. Friend, if we made private worship a reality, it would revive and enhance our public worship. Make it a priority. And then secondly, remember that when you sing, others will hear and be blessed. When you make the choice to sing in your midnight hour, there are three groups that hear you. Number one, this unbelieving world hears you. The Bible says that the other prisoners, verse 25, heard Paul and Silas. That's a testimony for them. When you deliberately praise God in the midst of your circumstances. And then the Bible says that the jailer obviously heard. It moved him so much, coupled with the earthquake, coupled with their testimony, that he became a believer. There's somebody watching your life today and watching me. It could be God wants to use us in our song in the night, in the midnight hour, to bring them closer to faith in Christ. But then there was a third person that heard. That was the Lord. And He said, Fellas, I'm going to let you know what I think about your praying and praising. I'm going to rock the jailhouse. And He did. Don't you know God is pleased when we make the choice to focus on Him and praise Him and thank Him in the midst of the midnight hour? Let's gather together and covenant together, dear friends. We're going to sing our song to Him in the midnight hour. Let's pray together. Father, You are good. We praise You and glorify Your name. Thank You for our wonderful people. Energize us with your spirit, and we'll thank you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.